This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. And uh, we want to honor you today. Uh, Thank God for you. And we appreciate you. So, hey, if your dad is um, accessible and around and still alive, obviously show him some love and or find a dad out there today and, and, and let them know that they're loved and appreciated. And so um, we're continuing our series. OK, Hope uh, Part Three. Um, but obviously, this is really in the context of fathers and all that. And um, I think father, fathering, fatherhood definitely fits into the category of bringing hope and that there is hope um, in being a father. And there is hope for um, being a better father. And there is hope that fathers, I believe God has designed fathers to be conduits of hope to their children. And so let us get into the word today um, and we will then get on with our Father's Day. All right, um, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray that you speak to us and that we are encouraged and I pray that hope is stirred and even though even um, sometimes these Father's Day, Mother's Day um, days can be um, difficult at times um, because of just the complexity um, of these relationships and the um, expectations uh, sometimes not being met. But I just pray that Father God, you would minister to all of us today as your children in Jesus' name, and all God's people said amen. All right, um, so we're in hope, part three. And so as far as being um, being um, a good father or a better father, um, I just wanna encourage all the dads out there that there is always hope. Um, it is never indefinitely over, and it is never too late to get better um, or to do better. I, I believe as a father, I'm speaking as a father that um, I'm not the best father out there, but I'm going to be the best one that I could be. And, um, you know, there is always hope to do better. You know what I'm saying? And uh, there's hope, like, you know, it's never too late to make the corrections. It's never too late to apply ourselves as fathers to do better. And so, um, you know, I just actually watched um recently watched Return of the Jedi. You know what I'm saying? The end of the story is that Darth Vader got it right at the end, right? So am I saying that any fathers out there are like Darth Vader? No, I'm not saying that. That's an extreme example. Um, But the point is, the moral of the story is that, man, you know, we can get it right, even if it does seem it's late, right? Um, But anyway, you haven't seen Return of the Jedi, um, maybe you don't want to see it. You don't have to see it. That's not your homework today. But um, just a powerful story of a father really um, getting it right even at the end of his life. And so 
Um, what's the point? In God, we're, we're believers, we're Christ followers, right? There is grace, okay? We can choose right and change for the better right now. Now, I'm not insinuating that anybody's doing a bad job as being a father. I'm just saying that we can always do better. And I'm really saying that to encourage you because if you're a parent, it's a very humbling experience. And it's like, man, nobody's, nobody's doing this thing perfectly. And nobody really knows what in the world they're doing. You know what I mean? Uh, we're learning as we go. So let me just encourage you for, with some verses here. Uh, but let's go to Malachi chapter four, verse six. This is the last verse of the Old Testament. Um, so I'm going to read this here, Malachi 4, 6, and then kind of give you the context of it. And then we'll kind of, we'll continue with the message today. But Malachi 4, verse 6, um, and, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So in context here, it's really speaking of John the Baptist. It kind of alludes to that being that it speaks of coming, Elijah coming, and we all know John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, a crucial moment in, in uh, Jewish culture history. Um, Elijah came, preached repentance, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, and then here comes John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah, as the scripture says, preaching repentance. Um, and he, even John the Baptist said, hey, there's one coming after me that's greater than me. But he, he preached, um, you know, baptism unto repentance. Get ready for the Messiah. He's coming. He, John the Baptist is a forerunner. He went first to pray. He's like, in a sense, um, the last Old Testament prophet, if you will, even though he's written in the New Testament, meaning um, under the law prior to the crucifixion, the resurrection. So he's just kind of pointing to Christ. And so it's saying here, like it's in context here, um, it's saying, and it, and it even speaks, it, there's a, some messianic prophecy in uh, Malachi 4, uh, speaking of this, the son of righteousness, okay? And so what are we saying here? That ultimately the power of the gospel the, 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 the gospel message, the, um, you know, the, the preaching of Jesus and the cross, repentance from dead works, all of that good stuff, okay? Um, that in that happening, it touches um, the human soul. It touches the individual. So it's like the gospel impacts and transforms the human soul of an individual. Okay, and you know, we're, I'm just looking here at the gospel. I'm just taking this verse out of Malachi because that's what it's speaking of. There is a day coming. Basically, the Messiah is coming and he is going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Okay, so um, that individual repents, right? When somebody's impacted by the gospel, right? They, they repent, they turn from their sin, they turn to God, they're changed, they're saved. Okay, and so... Um, and it's kind of speaking here of specifically um, the hearts of fathers will return to their children. Okay, so when that happens, when a person is changed by the gospel, it will then touch the people attached to that person in some way, right? Impact in some way, right? And so it's specifically saying here, man, as the gospel, the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the word of the Lord, when Jesus touches a person's heart um, and touches specifically a father's heart, 
his, his heart is then turned to his children, right? So, so when this happens to a father, like the intention, God's heart with the gospel and Christ is that the next in line, the, the ultimate responsibility and stewardship of, of a father is to then impact their children with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in impacting the individual, the gospel impacts those connected to that individual, i.e., for example, sons and daughters, right? The next generation. And so my first point is this, is that God restores families. When the gospel touches a father, that father's heart is turned to the children. This is what it is all about. If, if you, in the book of Acts, you know, and it's speaking of um, one of the jailers that was overseeing the imprisonment of, of the apostles, right? When they were liberated from the prison, the apostles looked at this man and said, you shall be saved, you and your household. There's something, um, and, and, and of course, we're not preaching that because I am saved, that my children are saved. It's not saying that, oh, I, my salvation equates to my children's salvation. No, they must repent and encounter Christ. But there is something to be said about um, living for Christ and that that does impact our children and ought to impact them, um, you know, positively, right? Um, and, and, and this is the heart of God that this would indeed happen. So, you know, um, think about it this way. As fathers, think about this as fathers. When, when we don't repent, when we allow whatever sin, pride or ego to mask the true condition of our soul, you know, what are we passing on to our children, right? So, so it's not that my salvation equates to their salvation, but that my salvation does impact their life in some way. And we were created to, to as fathers, we, we, are, we are without trying, without trying, we literally are modeling life and behavior. That is, that is part of our responsibility. And so this is where the heart of God is for our family as fathers. When God touches us and we receive that, it will impact our children. So what am I saying? No matter um, maybe how you have fathered, speaking of fathers now, or you could, anybody could apply this, no matter how you've been somewhat of an example to people, and let's just say you haven't done it perfectly your whole life, right? Or you haven't been the greatest representation of Christ. I'm saying here we are in the middle of our sermon series, hope. I'm saying there is hope. Why? Because as long as we're open to the Lord for him to touch our heart, you know, as long as we're open to him, as long as we truly repent and, and we, we stay humble before the Lord and we really, and we don't hide behind our issues in a sense. I mean, before the Lord now, right? Like we're not playing a game here, God. I, you know, um, here, Lord, here I am, God. I'm dealing with this, help me. Like it, 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 as long as we truly stay humble before the Lord, stay open to the Lord and stay hungry for God and open to his word and desiring the truth uh, and desiring 
um, um, you know, God's presence and, and worshiping him. You know what I mean? It's, it's, as long as we just say open before him, I, I, I'm telling you there is hope that your life will speak to those around you. And today, specifically fathers, stay open to the Lord, right? Um, you know, because, you know, it, it, it says here, you know, it, and this is under the old covenant, right? This is before Jesus died. And and, and we, this is before the dispensation of grace. But it's saying that basically, you know, speaking to the Jewish people of that time, if, if you guys don't repent, you're opening the door to a curse. And that's so true, right? Like the Bible says that Jesus became a curse for us. Like, right, right. So judgment fell on him. He became sin. He paid the price of all sin. He he became the curse for us so we could become the righteous of God in Christ. The, the wages of sin is death. When 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 temptation is conceived, it brings forth sin. When sin is conceived, it brings forth, it gives birth to death. So so man, like he's like. So the prophet is like, man, Jewish people, repent, turn, right? Uh, you know, accept the, the Messiah, right? Receive um, the truth. Um, and in doing that, he turns the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers. So when we don't repent, it's just, it's just a question. Uh, when, 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 we're, when, we're, when we're living a willful, sinful lifestyle or when maybe it's something God's dealing with and we're kind of avoiding the truth and we're hiding from it and we're not truly repentant. We're like, our pride has gotten in the way. We've allowed the shame and the pride to take hold of us. And so we have unrepentant sin or we've got this bitterness or offense and we're trying to play it off like, like we're cool, but we're really not. And you know, and so, so the question is, when think about this now, when we, when we're not honest, when we're not open, when we're not um, uh, repentant, you know, what what are we passing on to our children? Uh, what spirit, right, are we ushering into our home, our family, when the father refuses to get right with God? Come on, somebody. All right. So, so Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, Proverbs 28, verse 13, he who covers his sins will not prosper, right? But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy, okay? So once again, you know, that first point, God restores families. God restores families. This is what the gospel does. This is where I truly believe with all of my heart. This is the, the gospel. Being a Christian begins in the heart. And what's next in line? Our very home our very family, our, our wife, our children. That is the ministry. That is it. Everything else is, is secondary to that. Gospel, the word is planted in my heart. Where should that have the fruit? What's next in line? Where should we see that fruit? In my marriage, in my home, in my, in, in my relationship with my children. Amen? And so as a father, right, like it says here, you know, he who covers his sins will not prosper. I'm speaking to fathers now. But he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So as a father, you know, I, I want to be in God's good graces. Can I get an amen? Uh, why? Uh, because I, I want to be in God's good graces because I want to be in God's good graces, period. But as a father, because... 
My, the condition of my heart impacts my children. The condition of my heart impacts my wife. The condition of my heart impacts, you know, and everybody else after that. And so as a leader of my home, I want God and I to be cool, right? Um, you know, uh, not only for my sake, right? But also for the sake of those under my care. Because um, my heart impacts my home. My heart impacts my home. Does it mean I got to be perfect all the time? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean that I have to get it right all the time? Does it mean I need to have some immaculate track record? No, that is not the reality of human existence, nor the reality of the human soul. But what does it mean? That I'm honest, that I'm repentant, that I um, swallow my pride, that I surrender my ego, right? Um, it must, you know, here it says, he who covers his sins will not prosper. All right, let's talk about prosperity. Uh, let's talk about prosperity. Like prosperity is like in the context of what we're talking about. It's my relationship with my wife, right? Right, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And so if I cover up something, and, and I don't even mean, it doesn't, I'm not even trying to get to like, you know, it doesn't mean like, it might mean this for some, I don't know, but I, I don't mean like um, something, some kind of sin necessarily that that can literally bring a separation to a marriage where, where it's like, you know, there's, a, there's adultery or pornography or something, right? That can really do some damage to a marriage. I, and it could mean that for some, but, what I mean is just maybe my pride, maybe my maybe my tone, maybe maybe my attitude, maybe you know whatever my anger, my temper, um, those things that just kind of happen in life, just in relationship. Maybe just the the, the 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 words I've chosen to speak, or maybe even for some men out there, it might be your passivity. You just kind of smile and act like everything's okay, but you're really frustrated, and that frustration ain't going nowhere. Um, cause you ain't talking about it and you aren't, you know what I mean? And, and so, um, you know, so whatever it is that, 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 Hey man, I, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this out in the open. I, and maybe you need some time to process it. You want to make sure that when you communicate that touchy thing, that your spirit is right. I understand that you might need some time to make sure that, you know what I'm saying? It, it, you got the fruit of the spirit when you engage in that kind of conversation. But here is the point that. Here it is right here, as fathers, okay? Uh, there is a time to be vulnerable. And, and what I mean by that is open, honest, um, and, and not acting like everything is okay, saying all the right things, but it, in reality, in truth, it is not. Okay, so there's a time to apologize, right? So, so um, you know, that James, right? The book of James, confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. So there's something there, right? Like not only vulnerable with the Lord, but vulnerable with those people in your life. I'm telling you, fathers, you can't go wrong with this. You can't go wrong with this, right? And sometimes um, in our culture, in our, even our, masculinity, if we're not careful, um, this pride, this kind of macho-ness is really not 
manly. It's not strong. It's, it's actually weakness. It's pride. It's like we're actually broken and weak inside in some area, but we're, we're playing it off like we're not. We're, we're covering it. We're hiding behind our own pride. And so um, really humility and vulnerability in a certain context. I understand like, you know, as men, we're not going to try to, we're not just trying to sit around and, and be vulnerable 24 seven, right? I get it, right? Some of you, you got to put your game face on. You got to get out there. You got to handle business, right? Somebody say amen. But that's why I, this point is there is a time, a moment, and those moments ought to happen where it's like time right now. This is time to be vulnerable because no man is just, you know, like in this place of absolute strength and confidence 24 7 365 it's just not it's not it's not the reality of the human soul can i get an amen somebody so an authentic apology is truly a demonstration of spiritual power but there's something powerful about pure being pure in heart confession honesty transparency all that beautiful stuff so here it is. Inner strength is this. I'm speaking to the men. I'm speaking to everybody, but to the fathers. This, this is a demonstration of inner strength is this. It, this isn't the only thing that defines inner strength, but here's one thing that absolutely defines it. When I'm wrong, I own it. When I'm wrong, I own it. So that's what, that's what, you know, we like that phrase, you know, man up. I'm telling you, one way we man up is when we mess up, we own it. We own it. So, so you know what I'm saying? Like being macho with our kids when it's time to be vulnerable is not the way we pass on a spiritual blessing. You know what I'm saying? We got to let go of the ego. So I want my kids to see that a man of God is not going to hide behind their pride. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 13 and um, if you want to turn there, it's just one really short verse here. But before I read it, I'll go back to it and mention it again. I just wanted to say something about it first. But in context here, this is about King David. Um, he sleeps with Bathsheba, who's not his wife. He has her husband killed. He impregnates her. And then Nathan, the prophet, comes to him and basically confronts David and says, You, you messed up. This is you confronts him in, in a roundabout way, tells him this story. And in the story, um, you know, uh, it's like a narrative he tells him. And then Nathan's like in the story, the one person he described, he's like, that's you, you did that. And David's like, oh man, you know, so he confronted David. And, uh, he also said, hey man, you're going to have to pay a price as a result of what you did. Right. But um, 2 Samuel 12, 13 says this. So here is after he Nathan, the prophet, confronts him. This is what David said. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He owned it. He owned it. And if you read Psalm 51, it's kind of like, it's a psalm um, connected to this very experience here in David's repentant heart. You know, the, you know some of the lyrics there and, and a really popular old song, you know, uh, creating me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me, cast me not away from your presence. You know, um, you know, and so a broken and contrite heart, God, you won't despise. All of that is as a result of him owning when he messed up. Horrible mistake. Man is a father. He's a husband. You know what I mean? He's serving God and he messed up big time. 
But here it is, he owned it. And, and because he owned it, he did say, look, you, you're still going to reap. And as a result, the, 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 the son that Bathsheba bore as a result of that um, um, adulterous situation said That's, that, that child's going to die, right? The wages of sin is death. But he said, man, you're, you're going to find mercy um, because you, you did repent. And so once again, so David said to Nathan, man, he, he owned it. I've sinned against the Lord. Okay, so um, once again, you know, I, I really, I, I think, look, I can't keep my wife and my kids from seeing a man that just makes mistakes, right? Like, no, I... On, in all honesty, I've never made a mistake like that. Like, I'm not judging the guy. I'm just saying, even at our best, right? Like, we're still men. We're still imperfect. We're still working out our salvation with fear and trembling, right? So, I can't be perfect in every way, right? But what I can do is show my children how a man responds when he messes up and, and, on, and, and on whatever level, right? Like whatever degree that is, whether it's, you know, um, my tone, um, you know, um, my frustration being voiced or what, it, it can be anything, just human, humans do human things, right? So, um, but I, I can show them that we're going to own it and we're going to try to get better and we're going to walk through this together, right? Can I get an amen, somebody? Okay, so so being a dad is hard and, and nobody's perfect at it. Um, well, like I said before, the one thing, and I'm going to kind of, I'm going to end with this, end with this and share a couple more verses here. But the one thing that we as fathers have control over, and it doesn't matter what context, every context is different. I understand that every context is different. But for the most part, one thing we have control over as dads is that we can be present. Even if that relationship is long distance, even if that relationship we can choose to be present in some way in whatever context. And if for whatever reason, there is zero contact with your children, we can pray for God to restore and open a door. Because I truly believe that God can do that. Okay? But, and, and regardless of mistakes in the past or, estranged relationships, you know, that when fathers and children are estranged or just because of the turmoil of broken relationship, I really believe that we can't be perfect, but we can be present, all right? And so this goes a long way. This, this I think this is being present I believe is way more powerful than we realize, okay? And this is why, because our children need to know that they matter, right? More than anything else, 
they need to know that they matter to me, right? And so I, I really believe this with all my heart, that the identity of our children is due in part shaped by how we value them, how we value them, you know? So, and I get it sometimes, and even just busyness, being present can be a fight, but our kids are worth fighting for, right? So I understand that being present can be a fight, even emotionally, depending on the context and like maybe the, the past or whatever, or whatever the, the track record, whether good or bad or a mix of both, being present can be a fight. It really can. But our children are worth fighting for. Our marriage is worth fighting for, okay? So if you're gonna win any fight, win the fight over being present, all right? Win the fight over being present. I'm gonna share this, and I've, I've shared this before probably a number of times. This is something that is super profound to me, especially being a pastor, okay? And um, is um, my wife and her sister Ashley said this one time on our way home from church, and they were just talking, and um, they said, well, you know, we're just talking about how they grew up in church, you know, around church and in ministry, and I mean, everybody in their family from aunts, uncles, grandparents, and parents, their parents, were actively involved in ministry, okay? And so they, they would say, man, just even growing up like that and the demands of what ministry puts on family, uh, they said, literally, they said this same phrase at the same time, right? Without trying. They, they both said, we never felt neglected. The demands of ministry, growing up in that, pastor's kids, we never, speaking of their parents, we never felt neglected. Man, that's powerful because that's just not common. And, and maybe, it, maybe it shouldn't be so profound to me. Maybe just, I've just seen it done in ministry such an other way. You know, you hear horror stories about pastor's kids. Now, I'm not pointing fingers or hating or anything. I'm just saying that that is what matters most, that the gospel, will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and their children to their fathers. I truly believe this with all my heart. The fruit of the gospel in a family is best and most primarily seen in the relationship of that family not the size of the church they lead. Like the people can grow a ministry and a church for various reasons. But to have the hearts of parents and children connected in and through decades, that right there, my brothers and sisters, is the fruit of the gospel. That is it. Can I get an amen, somebody? All right, so here it is. Um, last point. Being present helps to solidify worth. All right? Um, this is tied to identity and value. If our children don't feel and know 
that we valued them. We're in trouble. I'm going to say it again. If our children don't feel and know that we authentically value them, we are in trouble, folks. So we see this in the Apostle Paul's life. Um, when he pastored churches, you know, he used, used a lot of parental language. So I'm going to kind of highlight a um, couple verses here. We're going to read these and we'll be done with, with today, um, with the message today. Um, but we, we see that he kind of, he pastored people and it was like this spiritual father type of thing. You know, he, he used this language, like he even used the language of a, of a nursing mother, like caring for her babies. That's the way that he cared for you know, you know, he's speaking of certain local churches, like he used that language, this kind of this parental thing, right? And and he also said things like, you know, you have a thousand teachers, but not many fathers. And he said that Timothy was a son in the faith, right? And I think even Titus was looked at like that. These are were his like sons, right? It wasn't some weird thing, you know what I'm saying? Like my spiritual son, or you know, I. I mean, some people get kind of weird with that stuff, to be honest with you. But but just that was his heart. His heart, he looked at them like this, like this was something he gave himself for, you know, just to develop people spiritually. It's like like a father to a son, not 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 truly a father, right? Like not assuming the role of a biological father, right? You know, just nothing weird like that. But just, hey, he's just there imparting, discipling, training, releasing in ministry and in a sense too here we go we're back on this kind of being present and 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 and, and kind of vocalizing and demonstrating uh the value of of the people he was a spiritual father to right so so once again like the point we just shared is like being present right present helps to solidify worth it's it's a, it's a, it's a being present as a father is really a lesson in value. Like that, I, I got a lot of I got going on right now, but I'm going to be present with you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm here for you. I'm going to connect with you. I'm going to, you know, what I'm saying whatever that is in this moment. We we don't get it perfect all the time, but man, I'm going to fight for this. So right now in this moment, here I am, right? I'm present. And so here's a couple verses here. Um, Paul kind of communicating this type of worth um, to these churches he was pastoring. So let's go to two of these. First one here, Philippians chapter four, verse one. Philippians four, verse one. Just kind of check, check this out, the language here. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. So you just see the value this man placed on these people. And it was just, it's real, you know, he's he, he just this real, you know, and so, so there's just this notion of, hey man, you, you guys are my joy and crown. You know, he kind of was speaking of their worth to him and their relationship and really their worth to God, right? That they are value, they are important, right? And so that, that's, that, that is, a, a huge primary role of a father right there. Okay, so here we go. Uh, another one. It's kind of like the same thing here. This is in Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. 
And Paul used a lot of this type of language with the church in Thessalonica. And I think it's due in part to the fact that when he first went to Thessalonica, because of the intense persecution, he had to leave. And so the church actually ushered him out of the city. Like, dude, you got to get out of here. And then when he, he sent Timothy to them, because it was kind of intense, so he at least sent somebody and then Timothy came back and said, hey man, they're doing great. And then his, his letter for Thessalonians is as a result of the report he got from Timothy. So Paul was genuinely connected to these local churches. He wasn't just some like speaker, you know what I'm saying? Um, he literally was a father to them. He, he was involved, he cared, right? He, he added value to the church, churches he was um, over, right? Pretty powerful when, when you really look at this um, in the scripture. But here we go. First Thessalonians 2.19, here it is. For what is our joy, or sorry, what is our hope? Somebody say hope. Um, you know, what is our joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you? Somebody say value, all right? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? So once again, folks, being present helps. I'm not, because I, I, what I'm saying is it's like, I'm not trying to make where, where, where the father's present and he's fighting to be present. Like that is like some kind of, you're going to get all the results. You know what I mean? It's going to happen overnight. Now, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying though is being present helps to solidify worth. It, is, it has a huge part to play in uh, the identity of our children and who they think they are. Can I get an amen? All right, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for all the dads out here. I pray that you encourage them. I pray that you stir them up. I pray that you, God, even challenge them, God, to, to take control of what they can take control of, and that is being present. Uh, Father God, even when they just have to consciously shut things out so they can add value to the person that is before them. We just ask you, Lord, for grace as fathers. Lord, grace us. Give us grace. Holy Spirit, help us to be the best fathers we can possibly be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.